no better way to start than to uh, spend time in worship, set an atmosphere to receive what God for, has for us this morning, um, what God has for us today. I'd like you to turn your Bibles to Genesis 27. If you can, turn your Bible to Genesis 27. Uh, for those of you who are here for the first time, what we do every day is we spend time in the reading of the word for the sake of journeying through the entire scripture. We spend 20 to 30 minutes every morning reading through the scriptures, and then we spend another 20 to 30, whatever time or however uh, much time we are afforded to uh, spend time in uh, just reflecting and ruminating over the word of God to hear what God has to say to us. Uh, particularly this morning, um, God is always speaking. And so we always seek to hear from God um, in the reading of the word. So um, I come every morning with nothing prepared. Okay. I don't really come with any notes or anything like that or anything prepared. I simply come just to have an encounter with God as I spend it in the reading of his word. And I'm inviting you to join with me. My passion is to empower every believer to read the word to empower every believer to read through the entire scripture, not simply get um, a Bible study or uh, just a, a sermon on Sundays or just reading your verse of the day. All that is cool and all. But my passion is to see believers read through the entire Bible. I'd like to see every Christian say that I've read through the whole Bible. And that's what we've done here. We have committed to just reading, spending, just devoting 20, 30 minutes a day, half a Netflix episode a day to the reading of the scriptures. And you'll be surprised how much scripture you can get through. You'll be surprised how much uh, Bible you can get through just in 13 weeks, guys. And we just lost a whole week just with me being sick and all with COVID. Uh, we've lost the entire week, but just in spending let's say 11 weeks, really, because we had two weeks that we missed in there. But just spending 11 weeks for 20, 30 minutes, we've read through the entire New Testament and we read through and now we're reading through uh, Genesis and we are now in Genesis 27. Um, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to continue to discipline ourselves in the reading of the word. And man, let me tell you, it is a transformative activity. It is transformative. Uh, for you just to spend time sitting down and just reading the word. You don't have to necessarily understand every part of it. You don't have to study every nuance of the text for now. You don't have to parse through and snip through the scripture. Just read it. Just read it. And man, let me tell you, you'll be exposed to things that you didn't know were there. Um, you'll be illuminated to things that you didn't know were there. And not just that, you're allowing now and you're teaching your spirit to hear and to be fed, to hear from God and to be fed by his word. You are learning now how to grow in the grace of God through the reading of the word. Does it mean that the Bible study doesn't have a place? Absolutely, absolutely not. Bible study does have a place. Um, I believe Bible study is important. I'm a studier of scripture as well. Um, do I believe reading your adverse of the day as a devotion is a bad activity? Absolutely not. I would never say no to that. But those things shouldn't take precedence over your reading of the scripture. It shouldn't take precedence over your time in just devoting to the reading of your scripture, meaning your time in reading the scripture takes precedence over all those things. I would prefer believers to spend time just reading through the Bible, even though they don't understand every little bit of it, every nuance of it, but just to read through it. And so that's what I'm doing with you. I'm doing this with you to teach you how you grow in the grace of God and how you can be transformed by the power of God through the reading of the word. God is not here for you to understand him intellectually. 
He's here for you to engage in the person of who he is. And that's what we're doing. Sometimes there's a little bit of Bible study in this. Um, sometimes there's a little bit of reflection. Um, wherever the Lord leads me that day, that's where I go. Uh, but I'm really just being led by the Spirit of God in our time together. And so if you can't turn your Bibles to Genesis 27, we'll spend about 20 minutes today just reading um, reading through through the scripture. I'm so glad you're here, uh, gorgeous Amazon. So glad you're here. Um, so good to see you too, uh, Jason. Glad you're here joining with us. Um, hopefully I can get uh, our device, our other device working so I can uh, broadcast on Facebook as well. Um, for those of you who don't know, if you have missed a reading rant, you're like, dang, I missed this. I wish I caught, I mean, I wish I caught the other ones or, I, or maybe I missed the, the last three or four or the last two or I missed yesterday's reading rant. I want to invite you to join the font everywhere. I'm going to post this read and rant on the font everywhere, which is a uh, Facebook group. It's a community there. Um, You can always catch up on the read and rants that you missed there. So I want to invite you to join the font everywhere. Um, And you can catch the other ones. And not only that, but you can also be a part of a community, get connected with people to pray uh, with people, to share your prayer requests, to pray for people. This is a place for people to be community. Um, we've got pastors there. We have leaders there. We have people who are just part of it. It's not, it's just a community of people coming together and journeying um, in their uh, walk in Christ. And so that's it. That's what we're here to do. And so um, I pray this is a blessing to you as we engage in the word. I just believe God's got something um, to share with us today. I don't know what's going to happen yet, but I just believe that God's got something for us. So let's go ahead and go to Genesis 27. If you can, uh, Genesis 27. Uh, yeah, I'm going to post it on Facebook, uh, J. Kenny, because uh, until I can get this thing working, um, I'll be posting all oh, the link to this reading rant. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Jason, can you share that for me, please? I know you're you're like you're one of our superstars over on the font everywhere. If you can share it on the Facebook group. Um, like, can you share the link there? Maybe uh, we can have some folks join us from there. So, um, and yeah, so you guys can catch up there. Also, if uh, I'm also starting to post the ones from last month on our podcast. Thank you for sharing that as well for Mama. Uh, I'll be posting on the podcast. Just search the Read and Rant podcast um, on Apple Podcasts and also on Spotify. Um, but let's get to it. Let's get to it. We came here to read the word. So let's read the word. Father, I ask, Lord, that you would speak to us today. Lord, we pray, Lord, that we'd be illuminated by your grace, that we would know who you are. Lord, that you would, um, Lord, empower us by your word, encourage us with your word, inspire us with your word. Give us revelation, Lord. Conviction where we need conviction. Encouragement where we need encouragement. We say that in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's get right to it. Genesis 27. Now it came to pass... When Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see that he saw Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son. And he answered him, here I am. Then he said, behold, now I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now, therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver and your bow and go out to the field and hunt game for me and make me savory food such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat that my soul may bless you before I die. Now, Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring it. 
So Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make savory food for me that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me from there two choice kids of goats, and I will make savory food from them for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father, that he may eat, and that he may bless you before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Look, Esau, my brother is a hairy man, and I'm a smooth-skinned man. Perhaps my father will feed me, and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him, and I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go get them for me. And he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the choice clothes of her elder son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her older son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck, and she gave the savory food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went to his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done just as you told me. Please arise, sit, and eat my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord your God brought it to me. Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac his father, and he felt him and said the and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands, so he blessed him. Then he said, Are you really my son Esau? He said, I am. He said, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's game so that my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate. And he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near now and kiss me, my son. And come near and kiss him. And he smelled the, the smell of his clothing and blessed him and said, Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of the field, which the Lord has blessed. Therefore, may God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth and the plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be those who bless you. Now it happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob and Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also had made savory food and brought it to his father and said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that your soul may bless me. And his father, Isaac, said to him, who are you? And he said, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came, and I have blessed him, and indeed he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, 
Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright. And now look, he has taken away my blessing. And he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Then Isaac answered and said to Esau, Indeed, I have made him your master, and all his brethren I have given to him as servants. With grain and wine I have sustained him. What shall I do now for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, Have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me, me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac his father answered and said to him, Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and the dew of the heaven from above. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. And it shall come to pass when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. Hmm. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. And the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice, arise, flee to my brother Laban in Haran, and stay with him a few days until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereaved also of you both in one day? And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the fathers, because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth like these who are the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padan Aram, the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take yourself a wife from there of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you make and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may be an assembly of peoples and give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you, that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. So Isaac sent Jacob away and went to Padan Aram to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padan Aram to take himself a wife from there. And that as he blessed him, he gave a charge saying, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Padan Aram. Also Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan did not please his father Isaac. So Esau went to Ishmael and took Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebojath, to be his wife in addition to the wives he had. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went towards Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it on his head and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to the heavens. There the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land, the land on which you lie. I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. 
You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Hmm. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob arose early in the morning and took a stone that he had put on his head and set a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he named that place Bethel by the name of the city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. So Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east. And he looked and he saw well in the field and behold, there were three flocks of sheep laying by it. For out of that well, they watered the flocks. A large stone was on the well's mouth. Now all the flocks would be gathered there and they would roll the stone from the well's mouth, water the sheep and put the stone back in its place on the well's mouth. And Jacob said to them, my brethren, where are you from? And they said, we are from Haran. Then he said to them, do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, we know him. So he said to them, is he well? And they said, he is well. And look, his daughter, Rachel is coming with the sheep. And he said, look, it is still high day. It is not time for the cattle to be gathered together. Water the sheep and go and feed them. But they said, we cannot until all the flocks are gathered together and they have rolled the stone from the well's mouth. Then we water the sheep. Now, while he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was shepherd. She was a shepherdess. And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near, rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's relative and that he was Rebekah's son. So she ran and told her father. Then it came to pass when Laban heard the report about Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. So he told Laban all these things. And Laban said to him, Surely you are my bone and my flesh. He stayed with him for a month. Hmm. Then Laban said to Jacob, because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what should your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Now Jacob loved Rachel so he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. And Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel. 
He seemed only a few di- but it seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go in to her. Goodness gracious. <laughs> and Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. Now it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to Jacob, and he went in to her. And Laban gave his maid Zilpah to the daughter Leah. Sorry. And Laban gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah as a maid. So it came to pass in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, What is this you have done to me? Was it not Rachel that I served you? Why have you deceived me? Laban said, I must, It must be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn, fulfill her week, and we will give you this one for the service which you will serve with me another seven years. Then Jacob did so and fulfilled her week. So he gave him his daughter Rachel as a wife also. And Laban gave his wife Billah to his daughter Rachel as a maid. Then Jacob also went in to Rachel, and he loved Rachel more than Leah, and he served with Laban another seven years. And the Lord saw that Leah was unloved. He opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, The Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. She conceived again and bore a son and said, Now this time my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, his name was called Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, Now I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah. Then she stopped bearing. Mm. Um, I'll read one more chapter. Now, Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children. Rachel envied her sister and said to Jacob, give me children or else I die. Jacob's anger was aroused against Rachel. And he said, I am I in the place of God who, uh, who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb. So she said, here is my maid Billa. Go into her and she will bear a child on my knees. That I also may have children by her. Sound familiar? Then she gave him Billa, her maid, as a wife. And Jacob went into her and Billa conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has judged my case and he has heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore, she called his name Dan. And Rachel's maid Billa conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, With great wrestlings I have wrestled with my sister, and indeed I have prevailed. So she called his name Naphtali. Then Leah saw that she had stopped bearing. She told Zilpah her maid and gave her to Jacob as his wife. And Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob a son. Then Leah said, A troop comes. So she called his name Gad. 
And Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, I am happy for the daughters will call me blessed. So she called his name Asher. Now Reuben went in the days of the wheat harvest and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, is it, is it a small matter that you have taken away my husband? Would you take away my son's mandrakes also? And Rachel said, therefore, he will lie with you tonight for your son's mandrakes. So Jacob came out of the field in the evening. Leah went out to meet him and said, you must come in to me. For I have surely hired you with my son's mandrakes. And he lay with her that night. And God listened to Leah. And she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Leah said, God has given me my wages because I have given my maid to my husband. She called his name Issachar. Then Leah conceived again and bore Jacob a sixth son. And Leah said, God has endowed me with good endowment. Now my husband will dwell with me because I have borne him six sons. So she called his name Zebulun. Therefore she bore a daughter and called her name Dinah. Then God remembered Rachel and God listened to her and opened her womb and she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. And she called his name Joseph and said, the Lord shall add to me another son. And it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph that Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my own place and to my country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you and let me go for you know my service, which I have done for you. And Laban said to him, please stay. If I found favor in your eyes, for I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. Then he said, name me your wages and I will give it. So Jacob said to him, you know how I have served you and how your livestock has been with me. For what you had before came, before I came was little and it has increased to a great amount. And the Lord has blessed you since my coming. And now when shall I go also to provide for my own house? And he said, what shall I give you? And Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. If you will do this thing for me, I will again feed and keep your flocks. Let me pass through all your flock today. Move, removing from there all the speckled and spotted sheep and all the brown ones among the lambs and the spotted and speckled among the goats. And these shall be my wages. So my righteousness will answer for me in time to come. When the, when the subject of my wages comes before you, every one that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and the brown among the lambs will be considered stolen, if it is with me. Hmm. And Laban said, Oh, that it were according to your word. So you moved that day the male goats that were speckled and spotted and the female goats that were speckled and spotted. Every one that had some white in it and all the brown ones among the lambs and gave them into the hand of his sons. Then he put three days journey between himself and Jacob and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. Now Jacob took for himself rods of green poplar and of the almond and chestnut trees and peeled white strips in them and exposed the white which was in the rods and the rods which he had peeled he set before the flocks and the gutters and watering the troughs where the flocks came to drink. So when he should conceive, so when they should conceive, when they came to drink. So the flocks conceived before the rods and the flocks 
brought forth streaked, speckled, and spotted. Then Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks face towards the streaked and all the brown in the flock of Laban. But he put his own flocks by themselves and did not put them in Laban. But he put his own flocks by themselves and did not put them with Laban's flocks. And it came to pass wherever the stronger livestock conceived that Jacob placed the rods before the eyes of the livestock in the gutters that they may conceive among the rods. But when the flocks were feeble, he did not put them in. So the feebler were Laban's and the stronger were Jacob's. Thus the man became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks, female and male servants, camels and donkeys. We're going to stop right there. Um, we're going to stop right there um, at Genesis 30. Uh, for those of you who are here for the first time, this is uh, the read and rant. Every morning we spend 20, 30 minutes reading through scripture, and then we devote another 20, 30 minutes in just reflection on the scriptures themselves. But my passion is to see you guys read through the totality of scripture. Um, and so that's what we're going to do. We're going to reflect now. We're going to reflect on this word and we'll go where God leads. I really don't have anything planned, but I'm asking three questions when I'm reading. As I'm reading, the three questions that I'm asking is, first of all, what is God revealing concerning himself? What is God revealing concerning people? And what is God revealing concerning me? Now, I know as as ministers of the gospel, as preachers, as teachers of the scripture, we we are always in the habit of exegeting scripture. Right. We were always in the habit of exegeting scripture. But when we read from a meditational posture with those three questions in mind. We let the scriptures not exegete us to examine us that as we read this. What is this saying about me? This is how we read the scriptures that they would edify us and empower us and build us and convict us. And so these are things that I would want um, um, that you guys would do as well as you read through the scripture is that you're reading it. But at the same time, you're asking yourself questions. God, what are you saying concerning yourself? What are you revealing about yourself? What are you revealing about people? What are you revealing about me? I like that, Daniel. I like that, Daniel. Don't sell yourself short and trust in God. Don't sell yourself short and trust in God. I like that. That's good. And so that's what we want to do. We want to talk about what is God saying? We want to hear from God. Um, Jacob, it's funny because I preached a sermon on this uh, like two weeks ago um, about Jacob. And uh, curiously, you know, the kind of person that Jacob is and 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 how uh, God's promises remain faithful. I talked to you about this before. That if there's one thing about God that we should know, and it's one thing that is that is convicting me even now as I read this. Is that God, we were just talking about this, even uh, we were just reflecting on it during the worship is that God is faithful. He is faithful. And what do I mean by that? When I say that God is faithful, what I mean by that is, is that God doesn't change. 
He doesn't change. And he's so faithful just by the virtue of who he is. God will put his word above himself by the virtue of who he is. God is bound by his word simply for who he is. Jason, I'm glad that sermon was a blessing to you, brother. I'm I'm truly glad uh, that it was. By the way, I'm excited about Good Friday. We have an incredible broadcast on Black Friday, so follow the font everywhere. Um, You'll see the link there when we post it, but it's going to be an incredible broadcast. I'm really excited about that. Um, I'm excited about Easter weekend. But 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 going back to 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 this 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 reflection is is that if there's one thing that God is limited by just by the virtue of his character if there's one thing that God is limited by is he's limited by his word he says in the scriptures in psalm that he places his word above himself he places his word above himself meaning God willingly is bound by his word. God is willingly bound by his promises that when he promises something, when he commits to something, when he declares and decrees something immediately in the moment that he declares it and decrees it by the virtue and the morality of God, that God now is bound by it, whether he likes it, or he doesn't, the person of God will not choose to conflict his word. God makes this promise to Abraham. And then through Abraham, through the promise, we see God's faithfulness that the promise was made active through Abraham's faith, believing in God. The promise of God was initiated. The promise of God was instigated. Sometimes we're waiting for the promise of God to come into fruition in order to have faith. We have this backwards way often as, as believers that we, we would like to believe, but we need to see something in order to believe. Like we need to see something in order to believe. But the way we see things is by believing. God's economy is not when I do, then you can trust in me. It's you have to trust in order for me to do. Faith precedes everything that God does. Again, this is God's economy. So God is limited by his word. And his word is limited by our faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I'm just giving you just a little, just letting you know where I'm going here. So if we don't believe, then God does not move. Not because he cannot, because he will not. He will not because he cannot, because he put his word above himself. And his word is not made active until you believe. So it's not, it's not, When I move, you move. It's not the ludicrous thing. God is saying, you got to move first for me to move. He says, draw nigh unto me. Then I will draw nigh unto you. So what God does is, is he activates your faith. And when he activates your faith, then he activates everything afterwards. That's right. Just like that. 
he activates your faith and then he moves through it. It was Abraham's faith now that activated the promise. And notice that the promise that God gave Abraham was not on Abraham, but God's promise on Abraham was on Abraham's seed. Wow. God's promise on Abraham was not on Abraham, but it was on his seed. Abraham believed God and it was accounted for righteousness, but the promise was the seed. You see, Abraham understood the importance of the bloodline. Abraham understood the importance of posterity. Abraham understood the importance of DNA. <laughs> I just give you a moment here because I, I get really excited when I, when I talk about this, because when we begin to understand how God functions and how God operates, he operates through the bloodline. So when God blesses Abraham, Abraham isn't really excited about the blessing because Abraham says to God, I do not have an heir. Abraham had an heir. He had an appointed heir, but he said, I don't have one that came from the fruit of my loins. Abraham knew that while I have one by relationship, I don't have one by blood. And so because he doesn't have one by blood, Abraham knows that this blessing stops here. You see, when God blesses, he does not want to simply bless or in initiate or instigate his promises on you. He's not trying to give you a bigger house. He's not, he's not trying to, to give you a better car. He's not, he's not trying to give you a better job. He's not trying to, 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 to get you uh, um, that promotion at your job. All those things are good things. But what God, what God gives precedence over is your bloodline. He's trying to restore your family line. He's trying to restore your, he's in the business of restoring a people. He's in the business of restoring the bloodline. He's in the business of reestablishing status. And so Abraham understands that. So God, who's blessing him and this man who's got the money, who's got the title, who's got all these things, these things to him didn't matter because once he goes, he does not go with those things. The bloodline was important. He needed to see something happen in his bloodline. And so by his faith, God institutes his blessing over the bloodline. Now, God blesses Abraham by his faith, but Abraham was still not perfect. He was still not perfect. He was forcing things that didn't need to be forced. He was trying to make things that didn't need to, trying to make things happen that didn't need to happen. He, he forced Ishmael when God was like, it's going to be by promise, not by your forcing me, forcing my hand. We can't force God's hand. God has his terms already initiated, instigated and written. And yet God, by his grace, still puts his promise before himself. Abraham messes up. And yet God still blesses him. Ishmael was works. Isaac was faith. And it's by Abraham's faith that God now inst institutes, initiates the blessing but not through Ishmael specifically, but through Isaac. Now, understand this. Understand this. That it wasn't that Ishmael was less than Isaac. It was that Isaac was the fruit of covenant between Abraham and Sarah. Stay with me. I'm getting somewhere here. 
So what God is passing down is something along the bloodline. What was the issue with Ishmael? Ishmael was born from Hagar. Sarah was born in relation to Abraham. And so because Sarah was born in relation to Abraham, God felt that God, God had to preserve, preserve the bloodline. There was something that God was preserving along the way. Stay with me. Stay with me, fam. So now um, Isaac is born. Isaac marries Rachel, who is also a blood relative of him. And so now we've got Isaac and another blood preserving, stay with me now, the bloodline. God is preserving a family from Abraham to Isaac, from Isaac now to Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau. We already read the story yesterday. Esau sells his birthright. Jacob already, if you noticed um, when we read yesterday, that it was prophesied even before Esau sold. Even before Esau sold his birthright, that it was already promised that the older would serve the younger. That now Esau would serve Jacob. And we see this coming to fruition in this text. But what I love about it, and I'm going back now to the faithfulness of God, the faithfulness of God, stay with me here, fam, is that Jacob was already titled deceiver. The word Jacob means deceiver. Jacob was a deceiver. Jacob was playing games. Jacob was a swindler. And yet Jacob was still a son of the promise. (sighs) Jacob was a recipient of the promise that was put on Abraham. (laughs) Did Did you hear me? Jacob was a recipient of the promise that God placed on Abraham. Up until this point all right up until this point yeah yeah jason watch out for the jacobs up until this point mankind has a loss mankind has a loss something has been broken in the authority that mankind was given something has been broken in the authority that mankind was given at the garden of eden And now Adam and Eve, the fruits of that, the children that came out of Adam and Eve, these people lived in perpetual, um, um, in perpetual disobedience to God. And now he gets to Abraham and he wants to, in Abraham, restore all these people. He wants to restore humanity. Why? Because God puts his word before himself. God was in the business of restoring humanity from the beginning. And now God is in the business of doing that through humanity. So he calls Abraham, who is a pagan man. Abraham is from 
Ur. Abraham is a Chaldean. <laughs> Abraham is pagan. And yet Abraham took the promise of God. And in taking the promise of God by faith, Abraham got the blessing of God. Ah, stay with me, family. Abraham is fathering a new family. And God is calling this new family that he has fathered to now bring righteousness and justice to the world. Wait, this pagan man is now chosen by God? How? By faith. Abraham believed God and it accounted to him for righteousness. And now God promises the blessing on his seed. So this blessing, watch this family, was not money, was not title. It was not, um, um, it, 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 it wasn't power. The blessing was the kingdom of God that he was instituting a new government and that he would institute this government through the people. God is bringing Eden back. God was in the business of restoring Eden. And now we get to Abraham and again, God puts his promise above himself. Stay with me, family. I want you to, I want you to hear this now. Abraham messes up over and over and over again. That's all we see. And yet God's promise does not return void. Then Isaac, ah, Isaac finds Rachel, preserves the bloodline, and then he births Jacob and Esau. And yet God's promise does not return void. Esau, watch this now. Esau marries a daughter from Ishmael's bloodline. Again, preserving the bloodline. Remember, we talked about this. Ishmael and Isaac were, were restored. We saw that in the scripture earlier. Ishmael and Isaac were restored. So anybody who has that narrative that, you know, this is the reason why there's all this strife in the Middle East and all this other stuff, they obviously, they obviously don't read their Bible, but we read it, right? We read it. We see it right here. It was very clear. Isaac and Ishmael buried their father, Jacob. They were together burying their father, Jacob. And yet Isaac was the one who was the fruit of the covenant, the covenant between Abraham and Sarah. And so now stay with me. Isaac has Jacob and Esau. Uh, why do they think Ishmael was Muhammad? Because they feel like it. <laughs> I don't want to get into all that. Uh, we can get into that. We can get into that d debate. But I want you to see this, family. I want you to see this because this is my word for you today. I'm going to get to my word and what what the Lord is convicting me of and what the Lord is encouraging me with today. Ishmael, not sorry, Isaac, births Jacob and Esau. Jacob, it's been prophesied that Jacob would obtain the birthright that the older would serve the younger. Stay with me now. Stay with me. I want you to understand how God operates. God chooses how this ends. We choose how it gets there. 
Let me say that again. God has already decreed and dictated how this thing ends. We choose how to get there. So how it ends can't change. Because God has already decreed it. There, the things that happen in your life, the, 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 the end result of things that happen for all humanity, these things have already been written and decreed by God. And yet we still have the power to choose and to determine how we get there. Jacob has been promised the birthright, but Jacob sinned to do it. Jacob played his brother, deceived Esau, deceived Isaac. He was a swindler. He was a deceiver. And yet he got the promise of God. Think about that for a second. This man got the promise of God. Lying and playing his father and his brother. I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> Just think about that for a moment. For many of us, we don't like that. You want to know why we don't like that? Because we live in a um, we we live in a reward penalty world where everything we do has its reward and has its penalty. Most people believe if you do good things, good things will happen to you. If you do bad things, bad things will happen to you. But when you get old enough, you begin to realize it doesn't work that way. People can do good things and bad things happen to them. And people can do bad things. And yet for some reason, good things are happening to them. We want to believe that we live in this reward uh, penalty world. And yet that's not how the world functions. Because how things turn out has been decreed by God. Jacob, yeah, the younger one surpassing the older. Jacob lied, but he got the birthright. He lied, but he got the blessing. He, he lied and cheated his brother and got the blessing of God. How does that happen? How does that happen? How is that okay? This is, these are the things that I want you when you when you read the text, you got to wrestle with that. You have to wrestle with that and ask yourself, how is it possible? How? How is that possible? That the one who's doing the right thing didn't get the blessing. When he should have gotten the blessing, Esau was the older brother. And yet his, that's right, Rebecca and Isaac played, sorry, Rebecca and, and, and Jacob played Isaac, played him. 
And they got the blessing through a lie, through deception, meaning through sin. Was it through sin that that God's blessing is transmitted? No, it was by faith that God's blessing is translated. Stay with me, family, because for many of us, we still have a reward based perspective of of grace and of God not realizing that God writes the story now did Jacob have to lie to get the blessing no did Jacob have to steal to get the blessing no he did not did Jacob have to play no as a matter of fact I will tell you right now it could have happened another way God knows how it ends yet we still have choice And yet we still dictate how it turns out. We dictate how we get there. That's why for a lot of people, I just want to make sure you understand this. This is a conviction for us all. We don't just sit back passively and wait for God to do things. We have to act in what God is already doing and what God has already decreed. We do that. By submitting to his will and doing good in the world. This is how we do it. We do it through establishing our relationship with God and with Christ. We can either do it by good means or we can do it in a messy way. And if we choose to do it in a messy way, there will be pain. If we choose to do it in the messy way, there will be strife. If we choose to do it in a messy way, there will be unwanted pregnancies along the way. If we do it in a messy way, there will be blood. If we do it in a messy way, there will be bankruptcies. If we do it in a messy way, there will be jail time. If we do it in a messy way, there's going to be a lot of consequences along the way. But the way it ends will not change. The way it ends will not change. Oh, I love that. Didn't Esau give away his birthright for a meal? Um, again, we have to read the text from a Hebrew perspective. Um, I was talking about this maybe like two or three, two or three uh, uh, days ago or two or three read and rants ago that, that people sometimes say, well, Esau sold his birthright for a meal. He can't. <laughs> he was really hungry and he promised it, but he actually can't do that. Let me ask you something right now. <laughs> for, for those of you who are, who are, who, who are asking that question, um, I'll give you a little teach moment. Ready? A little teach moment. If Esau sold his birthright for a meal, then why did Jacob still have to play games? If Esau sold his birthright for a meal, then why would Jacob have to put on the skin, the, the hair? Why would Jacob have to play his father? If Esau sold his birthright for a meal, then why would Jacob have to go, have to backdoor it? Why didn't he just come to Isaac and say, oh yeah, Esau gave it to me for a meal. You want to know why? Because he can't. (laughs) Just because Esau said it didn't mean that it was it. Isaac determines. Isaac determines who gets the birthright. (laughs) Isaac determines that. And if Jacob knew that the meal was good enough, Jacob could have just walked up to Isaac and said to Isaac, hey, Isaac, um, yeah, Esau sold it to me for a meal. 
<laughs> so so uh, go ahead and uh, bless me. Why didn't Jacob do that? Because Jacob knew that wasn't good enough. It don't count. And and if Rachel knew it, Rachel could have just said, let me talk to your dad and tell your dad. Yeah, Esau sold it. Guys, come on, let's use our logic here. <laughs> just because Esau had a hungry day in a, in a moment of weakness, because we teach this, but the Hebrews understood it didn't work like that. In the moment of weakness, Esau sold all his birthright for a bag of beans. No, he wanted to. What he did was, is he gave Jacob power. He gave Jacob authority. He gave Jacob a license. He gave Jacob license to deceive him. The man was hungry. So, you know, we do a lot of funny things when we're hungry. But you're going to tell me a meal made you lose a birthright? How does a meal make you lose your birthright when you slept with, 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 with Hagar to have to have Ishmael and you still didn't lose the blessing. Give me a break, y'all. God is not changing. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So therefore, it wasn't because he sold, he sold his birthright for some red stew. No, Jacob played him. Jacob played him. He felt like he could because of the deal he made. But Isaac chose that. Isaac determined that. And when Isaac said what he said, what he said was it. Ah. Oh, man. Um, I'm sorry. That was a mini rant there. Um, but going back to what I was saying. Jacob lies deceives and he gets the birthright. Why? Because it was the promise. Now stay with me. Stay with me now. Jacob goes to Laban's house again, blood relative. And, and now he's got Leah and Rachel, blood relatives. And those blood relatives now propagate and preserve God's bloodline. God is running things through a family now. Stay with me. God is running through a family. He's running things through a family. And yet everything in me looks at this family. I'm like, this family is dysfunctional. Ishmael, Isaac, Jacob, Esau, and now Jacob, who has the birth, uh, who, who, ha who, who received the inheritance. Jacob goes and he likes Leah. That's great. Sorry, he likes Rachel. Sorry, my bad. He likes Rachel. That's great. But then he gets played by his own uh, father-in-law, uncle, father-in-law. Weird thing there. It was weird. It was weird. To, it's weird today. Not weird then. And and so he gets Leia. And then after he gets Leia, he's upset. A week later, he gets Rachel. Now he's got two wives. 
He works there for another seven years and they're beefing. These two ladies are beefing with each other. <laughs> I, I love how the scripture says, oh, wow, I'm almost out of time, fam. I got to go in a minute. But let, because let, 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 I want to get to my point. I want to get to my point. I'm sorry. I'm ranty. Um, these ladies are beefing. I love how they explain Leah, you know, that, um, that, that, um, you know, Leah's eyes were delicate. <laughs> and Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Uh, Leah was cross-eyed. <laughs> okay, Leah was cross-eyed, and, and and Rachel was fine. <laughs> um, Jacob wants Rachel. Jacob wants Rachel, but he has to have Leah. He gets played. Laban plays him, gives him Leah. Rachel, the one that he wants cannot bear children and yet Leah the one that he didn't want is the one that bears children and watch this now Leah begins to perform for her husband Leah births a first son Reuben then Leah births a second son Simeon and, and Leah then, then births another son and and Leah is giving Jacob. Leah is giving Jacob everything a man would desire. Faithfulness. Children. Sons. Those days that was valuable. And yet she could not find love. Funny how we can perform for people. We can do all the right things for people. We can love people well, give people all of ourselves, give people the best of us. And yet in the end, even after we've given the best of us, we still are loved back. And we go and we give and we give and we give and yet we're not loved back. It hurts. But what I love about Leah is in the end, her last son, she says, now I will praise the Lord. Because here's the reality. The reality is, is that when we know that we've been affirmed by God, then we learn to find our joy in the presence of God, being affirmed by one who's worth more than anything in our world and in our lives, and that everything else is secondary to that. I like in verse 31, the scriptures say in verse 31 in Genesis 29, when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb. What if I told you that your rejection is an opportunity for God to open your womb? What if some of the greatest things in your life, what if God is allowing people to reject you in order to birth out of you some of the greatest things that are going to happen in your life? What if your potential, your greatness, 
God's plan, God's mission for you is going to be birthed out of the rejection that you've gotten from the people that were supposed to love you. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Leah was able to produce because she was unloved. And yet she took the production and tried to get love for it. Catch that family. I don't have enough time. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm out of time. But I really want to speak into this right now. Leah was unloved and the Lord opened her womb because she was unloved. And yet when he opened her womb, what came out of it didn't go back to the one who loved her and opened the womb. It went back to be used to get the one that didn't love her. Rachel was unloved. And when she finally birthed what she believed, the one who didn't love her would love her. She gave it to him, and yet she still didn't give the love back. What if God is blessing you, not for you to be loved by others, but for his glory to emanate out of you? What if you need to be unloved and to be rejected for God to really accept you? What if the people who you're seeking to accept you in your life are distracting you from God who wants to do more with you? And what if you're living your life trying to win the acceptance of people that should never love you? What if, what if family, we've been wasting our time trying to get that woman to love us or that man to love us when all we needed was to accept the love that God had for us? What if we've wasted our lives away for people who were never meant and intended to love us in the first place? And yet we fought and fought and fought for their love. Leah is fighting to be loved by Jacob. And yet Jacob doesn't love her. Jacob just tolerates her presence. And she keeps giving Jacob sons. And she keeps naming every son To say, maybe now my husband will love me. Maybe now, maybe now he'll love me. Maybe now he'll, if he didn't love you when you couldn't bear children, then he's not going to love you because you will bear children. Pay attention, family. I hope, I, I hope this is making some sense. I hope so. Pay attention, family. If it takes something you do for somebody to love you, then they never loved you. They just love what you brought to the table. If it takes your good looks for people to love you, then they don't really love you. They just love what you bring to the table. If it's because of your money, they didn't really love you. They love because you've got money in your pocket. But if you lose those things, you're never really confident in who you are because you know that if you lose those things, then they may not love you anymore. Meaning it was never loved. They just loved what you brought. So when the looks fade away and the money goes away or the titles go away, Will they still love you? 
You see, Leia's trying to gain love with the children that she's birthing, but but if that's what she's if that's what she's offering, that's all she's gonna get. He's gonna love what you bring, but does he love you? She's gonna love what you bring, but does she love you? Family. Love is not based off of how we perform and what we bring to the table, but love is determined by someone who sees deep down who we are and accepts us for who we are. It's unfortunate that Rachel and Leah both don't realize that they aren't loved. And yet they fight each other. Oh, stay with me, family. Stay with me. Leah and Rachel are fighting each other, but both don't realize that they're not loved by Jacob. He tolerates one because she can birth him children. He tolerates the other because she looks good. But he doesn't love either one of them. And yet the sad travesty of this is that they fought each other and competed over each other. They competed over each other. Leah, in the next chapter, in chapter 30, they, they are competing for children. They are competing with each other at strife with each other. Sisters. Sisters who ought to love one another, but because of their misguided desire to seek love somewhere outside of the very love that they should have for one another, they became divided. You know, most of us are divided because of the idols we worship. Most of us are divided because of the things that we esteem that we ought not to esteem. Most of us are divided because we're competing over something that would never actually love us back. Leah and Rachel are competing over a man who will never love them. Just a man who likes what they bring to the table. So what I see here are two women who are bound. And they're multiplying a family. Multiplying a family. Continuing to multiply and multiply and multiply this family. They're trying to make more kids. They're competing with kids. They're having an arms race with children. And yet who's on the side, sideline? The man that they're fighting for, who has no interest other than to further his own agenda. And yet, even in all of that mess, God's promises are still yes and amen. That God is still building out a family, even in the midst of all that mess. We read this text and all the way to the end, all the way to the end, we see these women, 
They live together, but they don't like each other. Two sisters who should love each other don't like each other because of a man who will never love or never like them. We need to change our focus, family. Maybe we'd learn to love each other and be reconciled to each other when we finally overcome the idols that we worship. If if we would really let go of the idols that we worship, the things that, that we're looking for acceptance from, As I close, I'm just praying that we we get past the family drama. Not just in our DNA, but even our family by the blood of Jesus Christ. We would start acknowledging our Heavenly Father rather than trying to get acceptance from a man or try to get acceptance and love from a woman to feel like we're worth something when someone finally loves us as if God didn't love us as if he didn't give his life for us as if he didn't sacrifice at all as if he didn't put it all on the line so that we can be restored back in him and yet we sell it short by seeking affection from a scumbag or seeking affection from a person who has no right to steal our joy from us. May we accept his love. I got to go, fam. But I want you to ruminate and reflect on that. That God is still initiating his promise even through this mess and even through this family strife. And yet... He's restoring this Leah who doesn't yet see it is blessed. She's being blessed with, she's the mother of a nation of people and she does not see it. She does not see it. Rachel finally births one, but Rachel is going to be used through that one. So let us all be reminded of what God is doing through us as his children. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are at work in us. Father, bless us. Bless us, Lord God. Father, those of us who are uh, dealing with pain and strife and, and betrayal, that those of us that are fighting for acceptance and for love, and Lord, I ask, Lord, that we would know who you are to accept your love and to know that your love is good enough. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing, even in this moment, Lord. Bless us throughout the remainder of this day. And we ask that in your name we pray.